Welcome to Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, here with episode 32. It is the fifth Wednesday of the month, so we are looking at what is going on on Green Friday Wrestling on Facebook, my personal page, detailing the history of professional wrestling, especially from 83 to 01. And as we look on this week of Memorial Day, we get into the 4th of July season of 1986. I'm going to look at two episodes of Memphis Studio Wrestling that happened the 5th and the 12th of July. You'll see a lot of things going on that are very similar because that was what Memphis was. Memphis had a running thing going on because you had the same thing going on in Memphis and in Evansville and in uh, Louisville and sometimes in Nashville as well, plus all the side cards that they would have for house shows. But as we into this, we'll see a lot of the same people as storylines would go for months at a time. So starting off with July 5th, 1986, we've got several matches, some of which were like real snoozers because, well, they were done before you knew about it. Like the first match, Southern Tag Team Champions Jerry Lawler and Giant Hillbilly against Rough and Ready. A quick squash match with Hillbilly's falling splash ending on it uh, in 22 seconds. That brought out Bam Bam Bigelow. Now, this is very early on in Bigelow's career, so he's trying to make a name for himself. And for whatever reason, Eddie Marlin decided to have this build-up to where he has this massive losing streak until he finally actually wins, I believe, his first match in Memphis, being a match against Jerry Lawler for the Southern Heavyweight title. So Bigelow comes out after Jerry Lawler and Giant Hillbilly are done, and he says he can have the match done faster than that. So enter jobber Mike Murphy. He's done in 13 seconds, with Murphy picking up the win by disqualification because Bigelow came off with a flying splash off the top rope, which was a disqualification coming off the top rope uh, in the AWA back in 86. Move on to kind of fill in this losing streak of Bigelow that is going to bring him to a Southern Heavyweight title match. One of the few times where a storyline does this, where a wrestler purposely loses over and over and over again to build a push to get a title shot. So the previous Monday night, Bigelow had a handicap match against David Haskin and Tracy Smothers, very early in Smothers' career. Uh, Lawler jumps in to break in the carnage after Bigelow, once again, had been disqualified for coming off the top rope. Then we get to the Evansville promos, where J.D. Costello has Fire and Flame and the Mod Squad out there to talk about the matches against Buddy Landell and Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler and Giant Hillbilly coming up in Evansville. Then Bill Dundee comes with a promo for his bullwhip match against Dutch Mantel. Now this one was a rather interesting one. Not your regular bull rope match, but a bullwhip match where both wrestlers have bullwhips in their hands standing in the ring that the ropes have been taken down of. And your objective is to knock your opponent off the ring and onto the floor. 
So now we get back to tag team action with Akia Sato and Tarzan Goto, the CWA International Tag Team Champions, going up against the Beach Boys, John Stewart and Dan Van Horn. This is a surprisingly longer match than I suspected. Because I know Akia Sato and Tarzan Goto. Although I don't remember all the Japanese wrestlers in the CWA. I remember Tojo Yamamoto, but I don't remember Sato and Goto or uh, a couple of years earlier Atsushi Onita and Masafuchi uh, were very big in Memphis for a while. I don't remember them. Must have been a little later on in the timeline that I came in really watching Memphis wrestling on a regular basis. Then we have the rundown of the Hopkinsville and Evansville cards coming up. Uh, to go back to the ring where the Nightmares, Danny Davis and Ken Wayne, take on Pat Tanaka and David Haskins. The Nightmares were a great tag team. And a good build-up between the card rundown and this match toward getting Bad Company together. Many think Bad Company came into Memphis as a package deal. But Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond were completely separate entities working on singles wrestlers as we saw at the end of the match where Paul Diamond came out for a promo for his chain match against Joe Ledoux. Paul Diamond had been challenging and challenging and challenging for it. And finally, he finds out that Joe Ledoux has signed a chain match on television. And then he finds out it's against Memphis wrestler Jim Jameson. That match happened next. And yeah, that was not Ivan Koloff versus Ricky Morton worthy or even to be in the same ballpark as that match. Jameson gets busted open as LeDuc just pummels him repeatedly with the chain and Diamond has to come in to make the save. Then we have the Bruise Brothers, Porkchop, Cash, and Mad Dog going up against Keith Eric and Keith Roberson. Keith Eric and Keith Roberson Great, solid, enhancement talent, jobbers, whatever you want to call them, in the Memphis area. They came in, they and they knew their entire job was just to get the snot beat out of them. But I love how in this match, Robertson wants nothing to do with the match whenever Eric is looking for a tag. Then we have the promo of the CWA on tour in the Memphis area. Then, then we have one of the rarities for Memphis wrestling. A women's match where NWA women's champion Debbie Combs faced off against Despina Montañez in a non-title match, getting ready for their title match at the Mid-South Coliseum that Monday night. It was a fairly even match and very enjoyable to watch until Joe LaDuke showed up to try to take Debbie Combs' head off. Again, another rundown of the Evansville card, because this is what happens in the Evansville feed, is it just runs on and on with four or five rundowns of the card throughout the whole program. But here you have the promos with Jerry Lawler and Giant Hillbilly for their match against the Nightmares, Dutch Mantel for his bullwhip match with Dundee, and then Buddy Landell for his match with Austin Idol against Fire and Flame. Then one of the great things that Memphis Wrestling would do for studio wrestling was it was always an expiration of time main event. So you could have multiple falls happen. So here you have J.D. Costello's group of the Mod Squad and Fire and Flame 
against Jerry Garman, Benny Trailer, David Haskins, and Tracy Smothers. As was seemed necessary for any match with fire and flame, a fireball ends the first fall. And then the time expires before they can get to a second fall. We go on to July 12th. And as I said, this will be very similar in a way as maybe some of the names have changed, some of the other wrestlers come in, but you have pretty much the same card, which got to be to a point where I could go in, watch the first two minutes where they run down what was going to happen on there, and I could tell you who was going to win and how they would win and didn't even have to watch the rest of it. So I ended up not watching Memphis Wrestling for like two years because it was just too predictable. So we start off at the very beginning. Bill Dundee comes out to help Lance and Dave announce for almost the entire thing. It was kind of ridiculous. First match had Jeff Jarrett and Pat Tanaka against Keith Eric and Keith Roberson. Again, Roberson wanted nothing to do with the match. The match ends with Jarrett and Tanaka winning. They come over to do a promo about Tojo walking out on... Jared, after they win the CWA International Tag Team titles from Akia Sato and Tarzan Gotu. Then there's the rundown of the WrestleFest card in Evansville. Promos from Bam Bam Bigelow as he was going up against Giant Hillbilly. Fire and Flame as they were going up against Thomas Marlin, Eddie Marlin's brother, and JT Southern in a mixed boxing wrestling match. Then... As they come back to live in the studio, you have Tojo Yamamoto with Akia Sato and Tarzan Gotu talking about walking out on Jeff Jarrett because Tojo Yamamoto had demanded from Eddie Marlin that there be no Japanese versus Japanese wrestling in Memphis. He would not fight against his countrymen. Which then brought into uh, Akia Sato and Tarzan Gotu, the former International Tag Team Champions going up against Garmin and Trailer. Basic squash match. Nothing major there. Bam Bam Bigelow in a handicap match against Jim Jamison and Mike Murphy. Jamison was still taped up from last week's chain match. But it was a squash. Bigelow destroyed both of them. Getting himself disqualified for coming off the top rope. Uh, then we have the Nightmares going up against Rough and Ready. As they've done a quick face turn. This was a quick match, but you had your typical tombstone pile driver, flying leg drop finish behind the referee's back because both moves were illegal for the Nightmares to get the win. Then JD Costello and the Mod Squad come out to talk about the Nightmares makeup and how it was all pinks and rainbow and all of this basically looking like they were unicorns or something. Expiration of time match. Uh, the Bruise Brothers, uh, Mr. Liberty and David Haskins against the Mod Squad in Fire and Flame. Much the same match as last week, just different people on the other side of the ring from Costello's side. Apparently a second fall happens, but first fall happens. Uh, this time David Haskins gets lit up with a fireball. But the second fall does not happen on the video. When they talk about it at the end, they do talk about uh, Costello's uh, team 
losing both falls. But in the middle of that, instead of the second fall, basically, you have promos with Giant Hillbilly, who's going up against Bam Bam Bigelow, JT Southern about the wrestling boxing match, and then Bill Dundee about his loser leave town match against Lawler. And then you have videos of uh, Dundee and Lawler as we get ready for this big, huge Loser Leave Town match, which is a rematch of the last Loser Leave Town match they'd had a couple of months before. Eddie Marlin brought back Lawler because the fans could not see Lawler not being in Memphis. And of course, this is back before his WWF days, so Memphis wrestling was what Jerry Lawler had. So as we look at these Memphis cards, I will have links to the videos in the episode description so that you can look at them yourselves, see if you disagree with my uh, take on the matches. But 86, 87, 88, very good years for Memphis wrestling. And you had this run between uh, being in the NWA and being in the AWA kind of both at the same time. So, and then once we get into 88, 89, then you've got uh, the time where Memphis bought out world class to then you have uh, Memphis and Dallas going at each other. But that's coming up in a little while. I encourage you to keep watching Green Friday Wrestling as I post 12, 3, and 7 p.m. on Mondays and Fridays. Mondays, because that was Mid-South Coliseum night. For Memphis Wrestling Fridays because that was wrestling at the Sportatorium for world class. The two best territories in the 80s. Uh, so I encourage you to keep watching that. Follow that if you haven't already. Uh, encourage your friends as we get it back into the month of June. We go back through the theology cycle again. So until next week, this is Pastor Doug Minton saying God bless you. And may you continue to wrestle with theology. Amen.